day to one and all. Welcome and welcome back to yet another episode of Sometimes the Old Man is Right. As usual, I am your host, Lamont Ferguson, playing the role of the old man. It's a, it's a new version of the old man. I'm going to go new and improved because it is a post-COVID recovered out of isolation version of host. That's what I am now. I'm telling you, I'm so happy to be out of isolation. Uh, when I got cleared by the medical staff, you know, they're going to say, hey, wear your mask and take it easy. Like, <laughs> I went Hobbs and Shaw on them. Look at me. I'm Black Superman. So this is it. It's the Black Superman version of host Lamont Ferguson hosting the podcast. How are you? How you guys been? Did you have a good week? I hope it was good. hope it was a fantastic week. What is the good word? My week? Well, you know, I know you asked, and thank you. I appreciate you asking. Was good, because I am out of isolation. Couldn't wait. Counted down the hours. Counted down the days. Uh, if you follow me on the social media, you saw that I made some silly videos about me getting out, and and I couldn't be happier. But here is one of the weird things about it. And by the way, this is uh, episode number 17 of uh, Sometimes the Old Man is Right. Episode 17. You know what this allows me now? We are now allowed to get into R-rated movies. That's what we are. I know that's not a thing anymore. But let me tell you, when I was a kid, that was a big deal because it was, it seemed like they were very strict about that. And you wanted to make sure that you didn't get embarrassed with your friends. So you figured out a way to talk fast or hang out, like hang behind actual adults that were getting their tickets to get in. So you could just kind of say once they were out of earshot that, hey, I'm with them type of deal. But I, I remember there being a lot more pressure and a lot more stress on trying to get into an R-rated movie under the age of 17. Like, I don't even know if you asked a kid today if they go, hey, how old do you have to be to get into an R-rated movie? They just like, what? I don't think there is an age. You just have to be a money age. Uh, yeah, I have to be admission. What is it? I don't even know what it is to get into a movie these days for a student. 850. I have to be 850 age to get into an R-rated movie. But back then, oh my goodness, a lot of stress. I remember I saw Porky's. Remember Porky's? Porky's, the, one of these ridiculous, as they always say, coming of age movies. Just a bunch of, look, let's be honest about Porky's and all those movies. It's just a bunch of uh, uh, white folks acting insane. I recently saw a scene from Porky's, and uh, I remember the movie. I didn't, rem you know, I didn't remember a lot about the movie, but I, I watched this scene, and I was like, this is horrible. Everything about it is offensive in this movie, which in and racist, for crying out loud. It's, uh, but those were movies then. 
those were the, the movies to see back then. But Porky's was a big deal to go and watch this thing. And I remember so much stress. My friend was a senior. So he obviously was 17. So he'd get in. But man, I remember that stress of getting up to the box office and paying for my ticket. And I thought, oh, I know they're going to say no. And now, now going to the movies, I realized they don't care. That person on the other side, they don't care. They, they just don't. Uh, I, I buy senior tickets all the time because they're cheaper. Nobody's questioning me. No one. One, it would seem today's day and age, it'd seem insulting if you question a person. Hey, I, I need to see your ID. Why? Because I don't seem like I'm old enough to get this discount. What do you care about the discount? You make the monies on the popcorn. What does it matter to you about the ticket prices? Anyway, I've almost have forgotten what I was talking about because I, I got sidetracked by the 17. But 17 is the, the age of the podcast. 17th episode. So let's uh, get to my escape, shall we? That's what I like to call it. My escape from Shawshank and the isolation. Last episode, I gave you the rundown as to what the conditions were and stuff like that. They, they remained the same. The, the medical staff just did what they do. And then once I was able to just be released. It's a weird thing because I thought that the process of being released would be something more, I don't know, something with more fanfare because there was a lot of fanfare to get me in that room. I thought that there'd be a little bit more fanfare to get me out of the room, like an escort. And uh, there was no conga line, but you know what I'm saying? But at least an escort to say, okay, now you can go out and maybe more hazmat suits and then put me into the clean area and, and instructions. And there, there really wasn't, there was a phone call that came at nine 30 in the morning that said, uh, you're scheduled for release at four 30, which also is odd. Like why not just release then if the day is the day and I've already been in there for 10 days and I had COVID is the, seven hours going to make a difference? I'm counting down the hours. Is the COVID that is in my system also counting down hours? I don't think so. I think it's gone by that point in time. If it's not gone in nine days and 17 hours, then I'm pretty sure that we're all doomed. So that was the odd part is counting down the hours. And let me let you in on a little secret. I left early because there was no escort. It was just the nurse saying you're scheduled to leave at 4.30. So at 4.30 you can leave. And I waited until I could. I wanted to shoot some video, which required me being out of the room. And so... I left two hours early and then just sat in my room after shooting the video around no one. I sat in my room for the remaining two hours and then I freely walked out as if they were monitoring me like, oh, we got to make sure this guy can only come out at 430, which makes no sense because there was a point in time during the 10 days where they didn't even know that I was still in the room. 
they thought I had left. They thought they had transferred me out to another ship and I was still in the room. But this is how my head works because I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that speaks up. I'm a guy that's a little, could be problematic at times and situations, but I'm also a guy that weirdly follows the rules or at least tries to, tries to as best I can until I can justify it, the reason for me not. How about that? That's the best way of putting it. Until I can justify a reason why I shouldn't follow the rules, I will follow the rules. But keep in mind, all that time in my head, I'm looking for an out. So I got out of the room, and it was nice to be out. It was weird to be out. I did have a weird feeling. There was an odd type of feeling of, of while I was out to kind of be afraid of people. I was like Nell, if you know that reference, where I was raised in the woods. I, I really don't know. I, I know the gist of the movie. I I may have seen the movie. I'm not really sure. But that's what I felt like. I felt like I have a fear of people having not seen people for 10 days. <laughs> and uh, it was it was that. And then the feeling of when you're out, like a Shawshank thing, where I just wanted to carve Brooks was here and uh, go back into isolation. There is also a weird thing and... I was beginning to think it was in my head, but then it was confirmed that it wasn't. There is a, again, a stigma with this illness of COVID where you feel like it was your fault and it wasn't your fault, obviously, but others don't know how to react to you. So I also know that once I was out, I was out on top of the ship walking around the deck. And then I saw a couple of staff members who, you know, obviously I had known prior to going into the hole and I was kind of excited. I wasn't too excited to run up as if, you know, it's a, Hey, did you guys miss me type of deal? I just wanted to say, Hey, and uh, one of the gentlemen who I said, Hey, to. I went over to give a little fist bump to, and uh, he left me hanging. And then I wanted to to do an elbow tap, and uh, he still left me hanging. So it was a weird moment on my part where it was like, oh, a fist bump? No. Elbow tap? Okay, no. All right, nothing? All right, good. And it you felt a little Hester Prinny. It was a little scarlet lettery. And he did talk to me, and he did... Uh, say that he's, you know, uh, welcome back and I'm glad that you're out and stuff like that. And, and stuff. but everyone did have that feeling that everyone gave you that standoffish type of, Ooh, I'm wearing the Scarlet sea on my chest. Cause he was in isolation and he had COVID and it, it was odd. So I learned very quickly from that first interaction that this was going to be the case. And I made sure I, I tamped down any expectation of talking to anyone. And also that there would be any type of big welcome back and, Oh my goodness, we're glad we're your back type of deal. So I figured, okay, what we're going to do is I'm performing the next night after I got out and then we'll just go from there because once I perform, then it'll be, Oh, okay. 
There he is. That's Lamont. That's the guy that was before. And then they forget. And that's exactly what took place. And this is all, like I said, psychological with the stigma that is associated with this uh, pandemic and this uh, illness and and everyone that I even see online that talks about, oh, I don't want it. I make sure I don't want it. And no one wants it. I think I've already gone over this. No one wants to be any type of sick, cold, flu, allergies. No one wants to be. But this is the only one that has that stigma of, oh, you got it. I don't know how to react to you or around you uh, thing. You get it. And by the way, and also, oh my goodness, I, I, I almost forgot. I didn't write these down in my notes. If you've not been following any part of news, I tried, you know me, I've tried not to follow a lot of news, but once you start following a particular news, then you start getting into the algorithm of following that news. And that's what the alerts you get. How about shout out for me, huh? Pat on the back for me and the podcast of Two of the items that I had been speaking about coming true. One, the CDC lifted the uh, the sanctions or the for the sailing, and actually came out and said good things about sailing and cruising. I, sailing sounds like it was a yacht club, is what it is. That's why in my head, I was talking, I said, sailing, that doesn't sound like us, but yeah, that's what it's called. It's sailing. But yeah, about cruises, the CDC finally came out and said, you know what? They are doing everything that they can be doing. Oh, you know, like I ranted about two episodes ago that the cruise industry has been doing and uh, finally lifted the uh, sanctions on the, the limited amount of sailing that goes on and and I thought, oh, yeah, so finally they decided to come through because whatever, whoever that one jackass is, I'd have been more happy had they said, and by the way, that person's been fired, but they didn't. But, you know, they did the next best thing, which was stop bad-mouthing cruising. To stop bad-mouthing cruising because cruising, they're doing whatever they can to do what? Keep the train moving. So I took credit for that. And I should, with my railing against the CDC that they finally listened up and went, you know what? Sometimes the old man is right. That's what they did. That's exactly what they said. And the uh, second thing that came true of direct result of me, you know, black Superman, was many doctors, including Fauci, have finally come out and said, this is going to be like the seasonal flu. Th this is what it's going to be. Fauci came out and said that uh, we're not going to get rid of it, which is what I've been saying for a bit of time now. Because if you were trying to get rid of it, then you'd have found a different angle to use to get rid of it. And it's at a point now where you have to learn to live with it and it will eventually become like the seasonal flu. That was the headline. Again, I took credit for that because I should. So those are the things that took place while whilst 
uh, I was uh, walking around for the week out of isolation. And technically not a week, because even last Sunday, I was still in isolation. I didn't clear isolation till Wednesday. Came out, came back to work. It was very nice to get back to work. It was fun. And I pause because it was fun in a surprising way. The passenger load on this particular leg of this uh, cruise, which they're all the legs are same. It's San Diego to to Mexico and then returning, except for uh, this leg. But that's too confusing. I'll get to that in a second if I could stop interrupting myself. This pa- uh, passenger load, 90% Mormons. 90, there's like a thousand people on board and 900 of them are Mormons. So that was a little interesting. The first show, and I knew what it was going to be ahead of time because I knew the passenger load prior to this. They told me uh, who's coming on to the ship. And so I, I kind of had an approach I've done a dry bar special, that Amazon special that uh, some of you may have watched. It is a dry bar special, and dry bar is a company that, in essence, uh, produces and promotes clean comedy for Mormon areas is what it is. They may now move into the Midwest and the Bible Belt and stuff for people that really want uh, clean comedy, but they are two Mormon gentlemen that started this company uh, that would start doing stuff in Utah. And so that's where they are aired. And then they eventually uh, would sell some of the specials off to Amazon Prime and mine was one of those specials. So I kind of had an idea going in what was what was expected, what needed to be done for the audience. And it was great. It went very well. Tried the trilogy again. Uh, The trilogy is always different because the stars, quote unquote, stars of the show are always going to be different, different cast of characters. Uh, There is something interesting about that that took place. But that show, the first show was great. Good to be back. Excellent. It made uh, other people who see me, staff members, able to remove the Scarlet Sea from my chest and just be Lamont again. The uh, difference was on the second night of the trilogy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there's three shows that I do each week on the ship. Uh, That's it. That's the workload. The workload is 90 minutes. And I've earned that right to work all of 90 minutes. So I don't, I don't want to hear your complaints because you weren't there when I was driving through backyards in winter in Alberta, Canada, trying to find the address of the gig, knocking on people's doors, random people's doors, asking for the address to the gig because there was no GPS. So yeah, I've earned this through many years and Rock Springs, Wyoming, and all these other things. So I don't, I don't want to hear it. I work 90 minutes a week. Get off me. What I've decided to do on these shows is I do a trilogy. It, it is uh, three sets, three separate different sets. Uh, you can get the jokes if you don't go to the 
preceding show because they're just jokes, but there is an underlying theme. There's a connection between the sets. I will refer back to something that took place in one of the previous sets. Uh, That's how the sets work. It's a trilogy and, and people get, they get to be made stars for the week on the ship because they're people that I've spoken to, not in the manner of, Oh, making fun of them, but it's just natural and flow. So that's how it works on the, uh, the trilogy. Well, the second part of the trilogy, this was different because the first week it was good. The second week it was good. Th- the third week I was in isolation. So I'm, I don't, I don't know how to judge that one. <laughs> the uh, fourth week, which was this past week, it was weird. It was unexpected because what I was not expecting at all was that none of the stars, quote unquote stars, people that I talked to, which included young people, returned to the second show. None of them. Zero amount of them. I go out expecting, hey, I'm going to talk to this person, that person, and none of them were there. So it was very interesting because I was continuing a conversation to an audience. For the most part, 95% of them were not there for the front end of the conversation. So that was very interesting. And uh, it taught me something about the trilogy that I have to kind of go back into the lab and rework it just in case that might happen, which is odd because I never, I was more prepared for flamingos. If there were flamingos in the audience, I'd have thought that would have come up before none of the quote unquote stars of the first show would return to the second show that was on the very next night. But it is uh, the Mormon folks, and they've got their their routines. And the cruise director, when I mentioned that, he goes, well, you got to remember that you went on a half hour earlier than you did the night before. And that made a difference because they all go to dinner at a certain time, and that, that routine is not to be messed with. And by the way, let me, let me mention something about the the folks here tonight or not tonight, but all week here, they've been delightful. They've, like I said, it's been interesting to uh, observe them, but they've all been delightful and polite, just a bit reserved as you would expect (laughs) from uh, folks from Mormons on the ship. But these are things I've learned. I don't know if anyone knew this, but they prefer not to be called Mormons anymore. In 2018, they decided an announcement came down saying, we're going to go with uh, either LDS or Latter-day Saints to replace Mormon, which to me was fascinating because I have never known of any religion to go with rebranding, right? There's a lot of religions that should go consider rebranding, but I've never seen one that was so forward thinking that they go, you know, like whatever it is, elders sitting in a room going, Hey, we talked to the focus group and, uh, they don't like the name and we're going to rebrand the whole name. 
So I was fascinated by that, and I told them about that, and eventually they did have a sense of humor about it. I had to mention that, uh, that I'm not making fun of their faith. I'm making fun of the idea and the perception from the outside, uh, and then, then they got it. They understood it. But I was really surprised and uh, maybe a little delighted on that angle, to discover that angle that they decided to go with LDS and uh, Latter-day Saints, which I was telling them that I like it. I like it a lot because it gives them a certain amount of uh, street cred. That's what it does. Mormons, everyone knows what that is, you know? You load up the image in your head. Mormons, it's a short sleeve, white shirt, tie, bicycle. Yeah, we get it. But Latter-day Saints, that's a gang. That sounds like a gang. That sounds gritty, like it's in the gritty part of Baltimore or it's, it's, it's on the wire, right? Latter-day Saints, this is Latter-day Saints territory. You got to, you know, Elijah... Elijah wants his money. That's what it feels like when you say Latter-day Saints. So that is impressive. Very impressive. LDS, LDS, you know, those are initials on black satin jackets and that uh, cholo writing. I don't even know if that's offensive. Chol, you know, but you, you get the image, what I'm talking about, that LDS type of deal. It's impressive. So there's something I learned. So they, they prefer not to be Mormons. Now, it's not like it's a thing where it's, oh, if you call them Mormons, like it's the N-word thing, because that's a trend that we like to do now. It's not that. It's just that, hey, we like a new phrase. And uh, that's the phrase. The phrase is, or the title is Latter-day Saints, which I said, it's tough. Gives them toughness in the order and ranking of tough groups of religion, Latter-day Saints has to sit towards the top. It really does. It's got to be tougher than Jehovah's Witnesses because that sounds like they don't even want to be involved. They're witnesses. They're just near, nearby. Saints are in the fight, right? Saints are definitely in the battle. Witnesses, they're like, look, we don't want to be involved, but I'll tell you what I saw. That was part of the thing that took place uh, dealing with the this interesting crew load, or, or crew load, passenger load, sorry. So, as I said, Mexico and back, Mexico and back, Mexico and back. Now, to clarify that, when I get back into uh, San Diego today and we say goodbye to these folks, I always keep saying we dump the passengers off and then we reload. That, that's a little rude. Is what it is. It is a little rude. Even though it is what happens, it's a little rude. We say goodbye to the passengers. See, this is this is what post-COVID Lamont is. He's nicer. He's a little bit more considerate. And I give this another week. So we say goodbye to the passengers. And then we get some more passengers on. And what we will do then is head out to Hawaii. That's where we're going, and that will be the final destination for yours truly, because once we get to Honolulu, I will get off of this ship, head right to the airport, and fly back home, and that will be the end of this contract. So it will have been five weeks, a little bit over five weeks, and 
it was nice to be back. Nice to be back home on Holland America, which, you know, that is home. I, I, I enjoyed my time on Celebrity, but is, you know, Holland, Holland is home. I think I've said this before. They leave me alone. Celebrity left me alone too. I like that too. But to, that that's what means something to me is to have that type of respect to say, look, we know Lamont will do his job. I don't have to be tinkering in his act. I don't have to have my nose in there and saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't say this or maybe you shouldn't say that. They just leave me alone. We trust that he's going to make the right decisions. That means everything to me because I'm doing my best to try and make the right decisions. And that is what uh, Holland has done. And that is Team Holland. That's why I am Team Holland. So that ends that commercial <laughs> for them. And that, and you know, that's heartfelt. That has nothing to do with, oh, I'm saying it because Holland America listens to the podcast. No, if I said it, I mean it. It's how it works. So we're off to Hawaii. We'll stop at Catalina. Four sea days follow that to Hawaii. And then we're done. I also had a pleasant time with the, uh, well, I had a pleasant time the week prior, the weeks prior with uh, Mike Siegel, who was the other comedian on board. And that was fun hanging out with him. And then Dan Gabriel came on uh, this, this week. And so, you know, other than me being in isolation for Sunday up until Wednesday, uh, it was very nice to hang out with Dan. Dan, I, I, I've known a little bit more than Mike going in so it was very cool and an enjoyable time hanging out with dan and dan leaves uh, later today once we get into port it is sunday by the way you guys realize it i'm taping on sunday it is on sunday it'll be released on sunday you'll hear it on sunday you know the drill until we get back to fridays but uh yeah it'll be it'll be a little sad that dan leaves because i i enjoyed hanging out i enjoyed our time together i'm not sure who comes on next week but uh, it'll be nice. As I said, I do want to get back into that theater. I do like the old format of being in that theater. And if you want to put both comics in the theater on uh, different nights, that would be great if uh, Holland gets back to that. For the meantime, you know, we'll deal with the new format and enjoy the upside of not being in the theater, which is the ability to hang out with another comic that is on board, which didn't necessarily happen a lot on the other format because you were either with a singer or with a, uh, a ventriloquist or another any other type of entertainer that wasn't a comedian. You know, it's a little different hanging out with comics. So I, I'll uh, I'll cherish that. I'll enjoy that. Until you put me back in the theater where I belong. <laughs> All right. So that was the week. I believe that has caught you up on everything that has taken place in that particular week in the return. So this week I will do the trilogy again and we'll see how that works. I'll be prepared this time in case none of the stars return. I have a couple of options. Uh, one is to retool a completely B-side second set or to just catch the audience up on what's gone on. Now, I've been staunchly against that because my thought is be at the first show. 
Simple as that. <laughs> be at the first show, and then you'll be able to see what goes on. But uh, I may have to acquiesce a little bit, make a little compromise to where I will briefly catch them up without going and telling the same jokes. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how this works. Most likely it'll just go back to how it was before where everyone, the stars have returned and uh, everything will be as is. I did look at a note that I thought was kind of funny. I remember on the last episode when I started and I said, it's a very special episode and talked about how in the seventies, we used to have all these special episodes of things. Even in the eighties, there were special episodes of various and how they always dealt with serious issues. And one of the examples I gave was a bedwetting. Like whatever happened to that, like that, that was a serious issue. Back in the seventies, that was, was a kid wetting the bed. Like we had to get to the bottom of the, why the kid was wetting the bed that we had very special episodes about the show. Here's the thing about it. When those shows would go, it would give me a level of stress and anxiety because I don't believe that I was wetting the bed. But then it was a point where it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to wet the bed. It was almost like it felt like something that was going to happen. Like, because if it was this big of a problem, then it was going on with everyone. And so when I would watch those, I would think, oh no, that's going to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to me. But bedwetting, anyone else remember that bedwetting seemed to be a huge problem back in the seventies. And I don't know what has happened to it because I have kids. And by the way, kids are still wetting the bed. So why don't we have a special episode? Like, was there no other things that we could talk about? Like they put it up on the list, the pressing episodes and bedwetting was a pressing issue that we had to have television shows deal with. Like I said, kids are still doing it. They're still doing it. But doesn't seem to be a thing that anyone really a pressing matter anymore. But back in the 70s, good grief. Like I said, stressed me out. I'd look at my classmates differently. I'm like, oh, are they wet in the bed? Which one of these is the bed wetter? But there was, a, again, there was a stigma on it. I think Sarah Silverman even talks about it, saying that she was a bedwetter when she was a kid. And it was very stressful and a big, like I said, a stigma with that. Anyway, that, that was just a point I wanted to bring up that kind of made me giggle. Something did interesting happen in the news. Let me go over some of that. This is going to be, hopefully this is a less ranty, angry episode and we're kind of returning to more humor and observation stuff now that I've gotten through the COVID thing. And now that the CDC has decided to agree with me, now that the doctors and Fauci have decided to agree with me, I can, you know, bring it down. I can bring down the level to uh, maybe a six. I think six is as low as I go, to tell you the truth. When I wake up in the morning, zero to 10. Yeah, I think you're looking at a five. I start every day with a five. So, yeah, I think uh, six, six is pretty good. Six is pretty good because uh, 
It it don't go any lower. This is like every day I'm starting at the DEFCON that's in the middle. Like yeah. I I don't even know how do the DEF it's the DEFCON. I know it's one to five, but is five bad and one good or one bad and five good? And are we ever at good? Like whatever the lowest thing is, are we ever at that? I don't think there would be a time when we would ever be at that. So therefore, why do we have those other numbers? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do we have those levels that are never achievable as being part of the scale? Because I, I, I don't even know what we're at right now. What Anyone know what DEF CON we're at right now? I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up and then I'll look it up and then I'll talk about it at the next episode. Maybe if I remember, because you know, that's how I have information. I don't do the research ahead of time. I just give questions and homework. And then I go, oh, by the way, this is what happened last week. I, I already told you on the episode one, I don't know what I'm doing. That I told you 17 episodes ago. I don't know what I'm doing. Nor do I really, I just have an outline as to how I'm going to talk about stuff. And then I just kind of talk until I'm out of words. Sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. Right, right, Forrest? So, yeah, I don't know what level we're at. But anyway, we're on our way back to uh, San Diego. I'm sure you guys saw that there was a, there was an underwater volcano eruption uh, near Tonga. And so all day yesterday, the entire West Coast was under a tsunami advisory. And if you've seen my act, you know that I'm really, even if you hear me talk, has nothing to do with my act. It's just me in general. If you, if you see my act or if you see me not on stage, I really have a problem with stupid people. And people go, hey, well, who makes that call as to what stupid people are? I make that call. I make the call because I'm gauging against myself. And here's the weird thing about it. I view myself as average. Now I know I'm not, I'm not, I am, uh, I'm decently intelligent. If that's a modest way of putting it, I am decently intelligent, but I'm grading against everything else. Cause I know for a fact, if I was in uh, Japan or China or great Britain, uh, Europe, I would be average. I would be average. Uh, but in America, I am a goddamn genius is what I am because we are grading on the worst curve in America in the history of curves. So even when I see comics go up and they talk about stupid people, I, I hear them talk and I go, mm, dude, in my world, <laughs> you're on that other side. Seriously, I know you want to go up here and rant and rave about how you hate stupid people, but I've, I've heard you talk and, uh, up against me, you, you're in the other side, really. You're, you're with those people in my, in my book. That's how it works. So we're under tsunami advisory, entire West coast. And this is how I know that we're, we're doomed because the San Diego county official twitter account put up that there is an advisory a tsunami advisory and they told the details and at the very end the last sentence says do not 
go to the coast to view the tsunami. Do not go to the coast to view the tsunami. They, they had to put those words there for people, for adult people, people who can read, people who are functioning, people who can vote. They found it necessary to put those words to not head to the coast to view the tsunami. I'm just going to pause and let that sink in, that those were words from an official blue check mark Twitter site, San Diego County's official Twitter. Do not go to the coast to view the tsunami. My thought is, one, you know they had to have a little moment where they said, should we put that? Should we put that? And everyone went, uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely should put that. You absolutely should put that because people need to see that. Now, they'll ignore it, but at least we on our side can absolve ourselves from any accountability from the stupid. Because I saw pictures and people were heading down to the coast to view the tsunami in spite of the words and the warnings. And during worst case scenario, not the words and the warnings, we remember Christmas Day a few years ago when there was a tsunami? The, uh, uh, what was that? It was the, the Indonesia thing, the tsunami. We saw it. We saw exactly what happens and how horrible it could be. And yet people are like, yeah, I want to be able to see that. Uh, right up close. Well, you know, right up until I can't see it anymore because I've been swept away. But yeah, they had to put those words there. And of course, why blame them? Because you know, they said, yeah, yeah, we got to put those words there. Because remember the beginning of the pandemic when we told people to wash their hands and they went out and bought up all the toilet paper? Yeah. And maybe we should protect ourselves by putting that there because who knows what humans will do. And remember a couple of years ago when uh, there were hurricanes in Florida and one of the official announcements came out to tell the Florida residents, do not shoot at the hurricane? Yeah. Yeah, this is over, people. We had a good run. We had a good run. I don't know if this is how the dinosaurs went out with stupidity, but uh, I, I don't think so. I think it was a meteorite that happened with them, not them taking themselves out, which is kind of what we're doing. That's the path we're going on. Other news items that I saw that are of any interest while we're getting towards the tail end of this episode. The, I believe it was in Texas, the teacher who got arrested for putting her child in the trunk because the child tested positive for COVID and to protect herself, the teacher that I have to keep saying that so that that also sinks in the teacher placed her child. Like he was 14 in the trunk of a car to protect her from COVID as they were on their way to get, I think another test is what it was, but yeah, 
Just, just let all that sink in. Texas teacher, own child in trunk, positive with COVID to protect her. Not, not a mask. Could have just thrown on a mask. But, you know, it's Texas. It's taking away my rights. That mask. It's infringing upon my rights. Meanwhile, I will put my own kid in the trunk of a car. We had a great run. I mean, seriously, think about all the things that people did. At this point, we should be rolling a highlight reel, like an in-memoriam for people. With uh, the Barbara Streisand Memories song playing, that's what we should be doing right now. I, I don't have any other words. Just the fact that I'm, I am almost stupefied by you think hey that's the dumbest thing oh no no okay all right tomorrow took place and then something raised the bar or lowered the bar or whatever it is you do with the bar for stupid my wife said well it's a child couldn't he have fought back i'm like why would they fight this kid grew up believe this is the kid's mom you know we all look to our parents as being hey they know more they know this they know that when it comes down to it cuz a lot of times you know kids have this idea that the parents don't know anything but when it comes to uh a very desperate situation or something that is conveyed as being life or death you will look at the face of every kid and every kid then will look at their parent the parent same parent that they said a week earlier you don't know anything you know leave me alone will go oh i need help you know, what, what do we do? So in this particular situation, yeah, that kid believes that mom and the mom is a teacher that kid. Uh, hey, I, yeah. Get in the trunk. Okay. I got to get in the trunk because this is what needs to be done. Why would the kid fight? There's no reason for him to fight. Cause it wasn't like he was putting the trunk against his will. The mom said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put you in the trunk. <laughs> I'm laughing just because. That's the weird plan. And when you hear that from an adult, you don't even question it. You just go, okay, that they must know something. I used to do a joke, which I got to bring back once I remember it, about how things work now versus how things work then. And then being the time that I grew up as a kid. And I said, one of the advantages is that you have access to the internet, which has all the information. And uh, for us, some of us, it took years to find out that our parents knew nothing. And a kid today can find out instantly that your parent knows absolutely nothing. So that, that's a battle for parents. It's a battle we got to fight. That we got to make sure that we get to that internet before they get to the internet to have all our facts straight. Well, yeah. So that, that was a interesting story that uh, just leads to my theory that we're doomed. The other thing that I thought was just a weird story was that scientists have taught a goldfish how to drive. I don't know if any of you saw that. Scientists have taught a goldfish how to drive. Goldfish is in a tank. The tank is connected to robotic wheels. 
and somehow the goldfish, by whichever direction that it goes, can figure out how to drive the tank itself left or right or forward or backward. And they, they figure that out. Because there's not like a, a pandemic going on, you know, where we could use mines to try and figure out how to get this. Hey, hey, when you guys are done with your goldfish driving project, maybe you could help us get people outside without masks. If it's not too much trouble, maybe you could do that. My other thought was, because they, they were really impressed on how the goldfish, they go, oh, they're surprisingly good at it. Of course, have you seen goldfish? Big, giant bug eyes. They can see everything. There's no, no reason they shouldn't be good at driving. They can see everywhere, all around them, those giant eyes. Is is that the what we're looking for? Is it we're going to try and put the gene mutation in the people to get giant eyes? So we can do what well, I don't even know where you would start. You're a scientist, you're looking around, you're like, I wonder if goldfish can drive. And then someone would say, Oh man, you need to be drug tested. That's the only reason that you'd come up with a crazy idea like that. I wonder if goldfish can drive. Why? I don't understand. What's the end game? What are we preparing the goldfish for? To drive. Is this how the the driverless cars, the next evolution of driverless cars, is to have a goldfish doing... To, I, I don't understand. I have no idea where we're going that we needed to see whether or not they could drive. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get science. And this, by the way, doesn't help. This doesn't help. This doesn't help the idea for people to want to try to be a little smarter in America because they look at that and go, oh, well, this is what smart people are doing, teaching goldfish to drive. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stay dumb because uh, my, my life is pretty good being dumb. Let me get my gun to shoot at a hurricane. And finally, look at the length of this podcast, huh? I've just been prattling on. I'm so excited. This is what happened. Like I said, this is the new Black Superman Lamont with extra consideration, niceness, lengthy podcast. So folks will be happy or not. I don't know. We'll see. As promised from last week, the, uh, the story is, so I took a 23 and me my wife had given me a 23 and me uh kit because my son alex my oldest son alex he had taken one and shared the results with me this is the the episode of where's my 12 percent if you want to figure out how this ties in and i'm sure if you're regular listener you've already heard that one but i went and took mine and uh, got my results back. And it, very, it is very interesting. I would suggest that all black people do this just for the sake to see what goes on. It, 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 there's a little bit of it that is a little like what I used to call, or I not used to, but what I call uh, movies that occur during 
February because, you know, February is Black History Month and they start running all these different movies that are black themed movies. And I always call them make black people angry movies because that's what they are. They show historical things that took place and black people are just treated like shit just, you know, the way we have been for years in this country. And to see these movies, it just makes you mad. I know they turn out that they turn out well. There's always a happy ending. There's always triumph over tragedy. But there's a lot of tragedy. And it just makes you angry. All of these movies, Mississippi Burning and uh, Rosewood, all of these just make you angry 12 years a slave good grief just anger and that there's a little bit of that with this because let me let's go over it first of all when you when you see the results that come out and uh it says uh the topic is sub-saharan african and it's 81.7 percent right there right there you go wait what so I'm not even, that's like a B as far as a grade of being from Africa, I get a B 81.7. That's a solid B of uh, almost borderline B minus, but it is a B it's in that range of being a B. I am a B grade of African descent. So there, there's a breakdown of uh, what region of Africa, uh, 70% West African, uh, 11.6 East African, Congolese and Southern East African. And then they even break it down even more as far as under the West African, you're 28.5%, uh, uh, Liberian and Sierra Leone and, uh, Yenin. And so that that's all under the category of being, uh, West African. And uh, then you see, like I said, the 11.6 of East Africa type of heritage goes. So you do that. That's all the breakdown there. But still, a little unsettling when you find out, uh, you know, it's almost the point of you where you say, oh, I'm not black, black. I'm uh, borderline B minus black is how it is when it comes to the African heritage. Then the thing that comes the most interesting, 16.6% European. That's my DNA is that I'm 16.6% European. So remember in the other episode when I said I was 12% of white privilege? No, I was, uh, I was a little low. Uh, I am 16.6% white privilege, which, uh, yeah, things are going to change. Black Superman, things are going to change. Black Superman is 16.6% white, crying out loud. Under that uh, area, 16.2% British and Irish. So, to all my British and Irish brethren out there, my brethren out there, I'd like to say what's up. What's up to 16.2% of me to my British and Irish folks. Say what's up. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day is going to be off the chain this year. That's what that's going to be. It's going to be crazy when I show up, Faith and Begora. Hmm? Hmm? 
And I, I'm going to say the the part that's British is related to the royal family. I don't have to have proof. I'm just going to show this these results. Show up, hang out with the queen. Oh, if you thought you didn't like uh, uh, Markle, what's her name? The, Mar- the Markle girl? Oh, and you're really not going to enjoy me. This is going to be a version of like Black Panther where uh, the, the kill Killmonger shows up at the royal palace. That's what's going to happen here. The most interesting part of the entire thing, like all that's interesting, you know, a little shocking, was that I am 1.3% Chinese. Now, look, there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of unanswered questions. I'm 1.3% Chinese. I didn't, there's nothing about that that I suspected. I, if I can do a callback, I I was more prepared to be 1.3% Flamingo. You understand that? Than 1.3% Chinese. So to my Chinese brethren, I say, what's up? I say, how you doing? Say I'm I'm coming home. One point three percent Chinese. I don't I don't even know how to process that. I'm still trying to process that. That I don't I don't even know how that could happen. But you know, in regards of it happening, I, I'd like to make an official statement and say that I am uh, not too happy with the characterization of this. Uh, this pandemic that it's not my fault or my people's fault and uh we need to stop the hate and i say that as a 1.3 percent chinese person we need to stop the hate and i don't appreciate it so there i've made my official statement it is interesting about the uh, 16.3 percent british and irish because that's nearly I mean, if you want to round up, it is nearly a quarter. The, like 16% if you looked at the body, okay, so uh, you got the four limbs. That's at least an arm up to the elbow. Or from the hand, from the tip of the fingers up to the elbow. That's about 16% of your arm. So that that's that's how white I am. I'm a tip of the finger to arm, elbow, white. So that that that's how I'm calculating it. <laughs> that I'm uh, about a half a well, that's not half because fifty percent would be half, but a little more than half, an arm's worth of whiteness. So so any the people you keep that in mind when I enter the room, you keep that in mind when I. Yeah, I'm applying for a loan because I'll remind you, you know, right here, this, you see that I'm an almost an arm's length of white. So you, you give me whatever that privilege is, is what I'm saying. All right, folks, that is it. There's a uh, seven or eight more days and then I get to go home. And I'll get to see that crazy kid Olivia and walk her to school and see uh, that crazy kid Noah who has his first job 
he is healing well uh, from the uh, the wisdom teeth. I I believe I've not heard any bad things, and he has messaged me and stuff. So, like I said, I said, he got his first job, and he also got his first check, which he was excited. I'm saying he had to be excited about because he texted me to tell me, and uh, and that's he only texts me to tell me things that he's kind of excited about that he wants to share. So that was kind of cool. Now we got to get him driving because maybe now it'll be something that he wants to stop playing video games and be able to take the lessons for. And, uh, but all, all is well. So it'll be nice in eight days to go home, see the family, hang out for the family, hang out with the family. Although I will turn around and leave within a couple of days after that, but just for a couple of days, because I'm going to hit uh, Colorado Springs. If you guys are out there in Colorado Springs, Looney's at the end of January, I believe it's the 28th and 29th, I will be there. So come on out and uh, see what I'm doing. See what's going on. I thank you as always for taking the time to listen. Tune in. All things Lamont Ferguson can be found at LamontFerguson.com. You know the drill. That's where I hang out, and at some point, I will update that site. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm at the point where I need people. My friend, uh, Karen Rontowski, who you can uh, find her, powerful funny, she's at the point where she needs she needs people. She needs social media people, uh, which is now a legitimate job. If you are a social media organizer, that thing, that's a thing. Uh, she needs people. Cause she's, uh, she's got a lot of stuff happening on social media. I, I just need to do my thing. Cause I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in need of people. I had to get my followers up. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know how to do that. Uh, on my goodness, boy, if you follow me on Twitter, good grief, you get those tweets all to yourself. That's what happens there. Those tweets are all to yourself. As I said, LamontFerguson.com. Uh, social media handles most of the time is at TV Funny Man. That is IG. That is uh, Twitter. I think that's all I'm on. I'm actually I'm on uh, TikTok, and I really don't do anything with TikTok because I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm old. I don't. I really don't kind of get it. I'm not into the reels. I don't understand the point of reels. The whole idea, I'm going to mouth and lip sync something that someone else did, and then I'm going to do it, and then I see someone else do it, and then 150,000 people are doing the same thing. I don't get that. So I, I'm not really on that thing. As I said, and again, I appreciate you for tuning in. I thank you. Do what you can to get the word out. I'd appreciate it. I will be back next Sunday or I'm, you know what? I, I can't make that promise. Uh, I don't know because we've got sea days. So whenever I get to Hawaii, which may be Monday again, I did not do the research ahead of time. <laughs> I did not do the research. Uh, hang on a second. Just, just hold on. Just hold on for a moment. I can tell you when yes, on Sunday, I get back to, uh, so, okay, so I'll make the, I'll change it all. You'll have a new episode on Sunday. You will have a new episode next Sunday. And then after that, we'll go back to Friday. So, 
look at this. This is the longest one yet. Hmm? How about that? We're 17 and we're stretching our legs, getting into R-rated movies and prattling on for over an hour. I've talked about a lot. I've covered a lot of things. and went back old school where I covered a lot of things on this episode. Some of the things I may be wrong about, you know, I'm not sure about bedwetting. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll agree to that. I don't, I don't really know. And I don't know what DEFCON level we're at. So I'm not sure about that. Okay, I'll, all right, I, I'll admit that. But you know, sometimes the old man is right. I'll see you next week.